Moshe was standing at a place that ended so many people's lives. Each of these people, each of them had a personality. Each of them had feelings, characteristic traits. Each of them had, had so much to offer in the world. Dreams and aspirations of what they would do, where they would go, what they would become. And those dreams ended right here. The entrance to the gas chambers. I just want to describe to you just for a moment before the gas chamber itself. Just to understand a bit of the life of what they went through. And, and some of the godless of Claudius Yisrael that we see shining out from some of these stories that can give us so much chizek that before they went and got to this place, who they were and what they did. One of the, one of the very disgusting and cruel tricks out of the many that they did. And there are many stories like this, perhaps hundreds, maybe even thousands of stories that happen like this one. Is that the Nazis in Rakshimon would take a bucket of water and it was freezing cold outside. We're all walking outside, we're bundled up with our coats and our gloves and our scarves and our hats. It was freezing. Often it was raining and storming. And the Nazis in Rakshimon would take this freezing barrel of water that was basically full. And they would take the Jew and they would put the Jew inside this freezing cold water. And then they would put the lid on top of the barrel and the Nazi would sit onto the barrel, the Jew inside, suffocating, desperate to breathe, desperate just to take another breath. And eventually with the strength that was just, didn't make sense that he had, he managed to overthrow the lid with the Nazi sitting on top only for the Nazi to do it again, but he got a few breaths of fresh air. He managed to get a little bit of air into his lungs, so he was able to continue going in the water for a few more seconds, perhaps a minute. And then eventually he managed to get the strength and push over the Nazi again. And the story is told about such a, such a thing that happened. And the people who witnessed the story said that when he came out, this Yid... He was full of shvach and hoidah to the rabbi Shalom for saving him. Can you imagine in such a situation, can you imagine such a scene? How many people will be able to muster the strength to be able to say thank you to the rabbi Shalom for being able to save me? And what was saving from what? Saving him from what? For more torture, for more problems, for more beatings. The cruelty that went on in this camp, the seeing people that they knew being hung, people being whipped with, with whips and lashes and lashes and being beaten with the boots of Nazis. What they had to go through, what they had to see every day, it wasn't an exciting life, but yet, no, thank you, Rabbi Shalom, for another day. And what they did was amazing. I'll tell you a story that happened here in this camp, in one of the barracks that we'll be able to see, hopefully, where the Yidden slept in their conditions of, quote-unquote, sleeping, where they talk about the fact that they weren't even being able to turn over without the entire road turning over together with them. There were no blankets. It was just a hard, cold piece of wood. There was lice all over the place. They were infested with lice, but they had no koyach to take the lice off. And they saw the lice just itch, just, just biting into them and just taking out their blood, but they had no koyach anymore to, to continue and take off their lice. It was just too many. And that's how they, that's how they slept. That was their rest. And there was one place 
specifically, one barrack was in the middle of the night, and they hear the following, water, water. I beg you, I've got my, my lips are dry, I need water. Now, they're allowed a certain amount of water. They got, quote, unquote, some kind of coffee in the morning and the afternoon. But most of them drank it straight away. We had time to keep it. Some of them managed to keep a little bit until the middle of the night. And when he got really, really thirsty, they even drank their own urine. Whatever they could do just to, just to survive, they were desperate. And there was one voice in the middle of the night. Water, water, just a sip. I'm dying. One sip of water. I'm dying. And you can imagine hearing that. Your heart goes out to that person. You wish you had water, but there's nothing. And there was one person that had water. And it, the, the, the crying kept again and again. I'm dying, I'm dying. A drop of water, please, somebody. And one of the girls lifted a corner of her blanket and she revealed a cup with a precious sip of coffee that she saved from her evening ration. And she reserved it for the next attack of hunger and thirst that would happen in the middle of the night. Her hand trembling, she had fever. She had diseases inside her, but she handed it to her neighbor. She didn't know that she would need it or wouldn't need it. She didn't even know if she'd be up in the morning to need that coffee. But one thing is clear. She could not continue living if, there, if she knew that there's a girl who died of thirst while she had a sip of water in her cup. Rabbi said, what a message that is to us. That is a message that these people were on the verge of leaving the world, but all they thought about was somebody else. How can I leave the world when somebody else is going to die of thirst if I have a little bit of water? What does that tell us? That tells us that we have to live our lives of thinking about other people. There was a Yid who lived in Manchester. I met him many, many times with the Ak of Yosef. And he was in this camp. And he told us over the story, I remember hearing it from himself, that he said that they put him into the camp. And he was a strong person. He was a shochet before the war. But eventually, as they all did, they grew weak. And he, they put him into the block. I think it was block 10 in order to... That's it. It's all over. Once you entered that block, you knew the next stop was the gas chamber. And eventually, his time came. And they took the prisoners from that block and they marched them to the gas chamber. And there he was, inside the gas chamber. Now, no, it, was, it was unheard of for anyone even to think of escape or anyone to think of living after you entered these doors. It didn't happen. It didn't exist. Once you were in, it was all over. It was finished. You said Shema. You, you, you said Vido. Whatever you could do possibly to save the moments. And he said, I don't give up. I don't give up. I don't give up. As Chazal tell us, the sword could be in your throat. We don't give up. He doesn't give up. And that's what happened. They opened the door and they started searching. It never happened before. In the history, it never happened. They searched for someone living, someone that could work, someone that could do something who was a very big fellow. And they saw him, they spotted him and said, you, we need you. And they took him out. He survived the gas chamber. He came out of the gas chamber. I don't know if there are any other accounts. Maybe there are. But to, to having myself met someone that managed to come out of the gas chamber, tremendous, tremendous Talmud Chacham, Magid Sheh gave Shi'urim, unbelievable person. And he said, it shows the Koyach of a Yid. We don't give up. We keep going. Life is tough. There are challenges. But we keep going. Nochamol, nochamol, nochamol. We keep going. We think of the people inside over here who lost their lives. Al Kiddush Hashem. That every single one of them had dreams and aspirations. We think to ourselves, what are our dreams? What are our aspirations? 
Remain. Be sanctified. Kiddush Hashem. Kiddush Hashem.